Howdy, everyone. Welcome to Unsafe Space. Uh, Kofefi break on Unsafe Space. We are back. Uh, today is Friday, April something, 2nd. Uh, and I am joined. I, I want you to brace yourselves, everyone. Carrie couldn't make it, but SJW Karen is here. And she she will be joining us for the show. Hi, Carter. I'd like to say it's a pleasure to be here, but I don't experience pleasure. It's part of. I understand. Work. Hey, that's you know, if you had experienced pleasure, I would be worried. That would be problematic, actually. Um, <laughs> what, what, what do we have? Uh, I guess some announcements. We are obviously we're back on our main channel today. Uh, finally, let's cross our fingers. Uh, let's see how long Susan lets us stay here. Thank you for those of you who jumped over onto the Clips channel for the past week when we were forced to yeah. be there. Uh, all the content that was on the Clips channel is now, it's still there. It's just uh, unlisted. So if you have an old link, it'll work. But all the, it's all been moved uh, to this channel as well now, including the a censored version of the Great Reset video. Uh, and if you want the uncensored version, of course, you just have to go to a platform that doesn't censor, like Library or our website, and you can watch it there. Um, I have an announcement about the Unsafe Space Retreat, which is August 20th to 22nd in, in Texas. We are completely sold out of couples' rooms. Like, if you want a private room, I'm sorry, we're literally out. I'm sleeping on a – I think right now I may have to sleep on in a trundle. I'm not totally sure. Like we're pretty <laughs> packed. <laughs> uh, I'm going to try and avoid that. But, um, and, uh, we, but we do have a few more single beds. Uh, available so but not many like literally two maybe I don't know wow. I purchased one this morning so th it's definitely happening that's the good news we will follow up for those of you who signed up you'll get an email I don't want to spend too much of coffee break talking to a very small subset of the audience but it is happening and if you're interested in going uh, you've got precious little time to get a bed or you can get a day pass and just stay somewhere else and show up and we've got lots of day passes so uh, you're set there. Any other stuff? Is there any other like housekeeping we should do? SJW, Karen? <laughs> I can't stay in character. It's, it's, it, won't, it won't be fun. I um, see that you're smiling, Karen. <laughs> what is there to smile about in this patriarchal, white, oppressive you're system? Right. Let me, I get the look down. That's there the look. There we go. That's look, uh, Josh Slocum on the Disaffected podcast, he pointed out how, okay, this is something he, I've, other people have pointed this out too. I've been seeing, seeing other videos about it, but he was talking about how social justice warriors, but more broadly, people with personality disorders, he was saying, sometimes there's a, a lot of different correlations like red flags. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that somebody with these kind of glasses is going to be personality disordered, obviously or that with multicolored hair or with partially shaved hair, but he was saying it's a pretty good tell though, especially if you see a lot of these things together, these signifiers, a lot of them. And they, and he was saying, and they have a certain way of, in, of looking at the camera in their pictures and stuff. They have this like very oh. aggressive way of looking at the camera. Like they're challenging the camera. <laughs> and I, that seems to be true. I've looked through some pictures from people who, uh, former friends of mine, so they all have like either the multicolored hair or the shape, partially shaved hair or both. And a lot of them have these thick glasses or some type of 
glasses similar to this. And it's like, yeah, that's kind of true. I don't, anyway. I don't know the history of camera technology, but I imagine white men were involved. So there is a reason to be angry at the camera itself. So I guess that makes yes some sense. Um, but you're reminding me of a meme I saw. I think I saw it this morning. I checked Twitter briefly, which is something I rarely do, but I checked Twitter and there was a meme of uh, a picture of a, a woman with, I think, kind of glasses like that. And she had a yeah. haircut that was maybe like here, shaped yeah. like this, and it was pink on top. And it just said, uh, Barber, <laughs> <laughs> or no, sorry, uh, Barber, like, what do you want or whatever? And the customer, was, and she, her answer was just, I want everyone to know that I'm offended by everything. And the barber's like, no problem. <laughs> say no more. Uh, yeah, yeah, say no more. That's what it was. Say yeah, no more. Matt Decker, said, yeah. Matt Decker, who's in our chat usually, he shared that meme with me too. I thought it was funny. No, say no he, more. He also had the big eyebrows. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It had the big eyebrows too. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> it's the same meme. I'm sure I probably saw it from Matt Decker. I don't know. Um, anyway, we have, we have a guest with us today. We should... Yeah. Introduce and bring in. We also have a super chat from Pirate Tomsky who says, SJW Karen, (laughs) I'm offended you didn't instantly declare your pronouns when the show started. Well, uh, my pronouns are still uh, you, your mom, and thou. So get it right during the show. (laughs) And Adam Coleman. Thank you, Adam. Adam says, is blue hair Carrie a turf or a non-binary feminist? Asking for a friend. Also keep an eye out for my conservation conversation with Peter Feliciano. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, and then Mickey turf, says, let's be clear though. You're not a turf. No, not with this look. Uh, not a turf. Mickey says, hi guys, Carter. Are you familiar with the work of Hans Hermann Hope? I'm utterly baffled that there is someone more autistic than Mises. Mises. So that's Mises. I don't <laughs> even know how to answer that question because I'm familiar with hop, but I haven't read a lot of hop. I don't really like the jab i mean i like you mickey the fourth and you're on a lot but i don't really like the jab of uh mises being autistic mises is brilliant like human action is one of the best books ever written uh so i like uh, saying he's autistic isn't really an argument it's just an ad hominem um so that kind of bothers me i don't know hop very well um so i maybe hops better maybe hops worse i have no idea sorry i'll look up hop though thank you for the uh the pointer do you want to do the next one and then mandy says thank you mandy that anime character next to carter looks suspiciously like a russian bot what anime character next to oh carter? me <laughs> oh you you are a russian bot yeah yes. <laughs> i'm like wait a minute yeah so we have a guest today guys you guys may know him from we've done an interview with him before and then also we did a pilot for popped culture which we were going to bring back this week but we were off the channel so um look for it next week <laughs> Uh, Mystery Chris is here today. Hey guys! Hi. And as always, his face is a mystery. We're gonna, <laughs> I'm, I am determined to convince you to drop the drop the icon and show us your real face someday. That's my goal with you, Mystery. Oh, it's so scary. Oh. <laughs> you could just come on like this in disguise. Like yes. <laughs> Put yeah. white face on. Gary can lend you the wig. Okay, no, no <laughs> you should have had your dog and dressed him up as a cat and told everyone he identifies as a cat. That would have been perfect oh, for your character. He does. He does identify as a cat. <laughs> By the way, I'm sorry, I didn't even ask. Is there a reason for your look today, Carrie? Oh, yeah. Well, yesterday was a Bulls Day, and I got taken in by Constantine Kissin, did an April Fool's Day post saying, 
he was about, he was excited because he had just been announced as a host of the LBC and that he was excited to interview some of his heroes. And he named a bunch of people I didn't know. And I said, oh, congratulations. And apparently it was a big joke. Apparently those were. Who's the LBC? I don't know. I don't know what that is. I thought it was some British thing and I was happy for him. And then, and then I realized I got taken in by an April Fool's Day prank. And so then, um, so then I did my own April Fool's Day post and uh, I sent you a link so you can share it. I didn't expect anyone to actually fall for it, but I was tickled that I did get one guy. He was upset by it and he was saying, (laughs) you know. It's always nice to get people upset by things. <laughs> he well, he he was saying, you know, oh, you're demonizing male tears and and toxic masculinity, and and, and he explained why that's wrong. And I, I said, yeah, I I actually agree with you. I just this was an April Fool's Day. <laughs> I was being serious. I but, wasn't really. <laughs> so I got. By someone. the way, by the way, I will apologize to Mickey the Fourth. Mickey the Fourth is now has surpassed me. Uh, has has one up to me by saying. I'm just not familiar with the internet, which is true. It's a compliment to say Mises is autistic, apparently. And the space between awe and autistic apparently was intentional. It must be an internet thing that I don't know. Uh, on this side of the internet, it's a sign of honor to call yourself and to be called autistic. I didn't know that. Now I'm going to call myself autistic because I'm a little bit spectrum-y probably in real life. Uh, okay, Carrie, let's <laughs> let's look at your okay. – should we look at your so, post? Yeah, this is my confession and – See, I, I highly suggest being funny when, sometimes if, if you if you want to be when you try to push back against social justice stuff, be funny. And April Fool's Day provided a great opportunity to do that. So it was just a I picture. wanted to do something on our channel, but we weren't up. I was bummed that we yeah. weren't on our main channel. Okay. So this is this Here. is what we're doing now day late. So uh, okay. so anyway, this is I, I posted my new look and I just said uh, I'd like to confess my white privilege, my straight privilege my cisgender privilege, and to hold to account those who oppress me for being female with their toxic masculinity and male tears. If you want to be an ally, you need to do the work, stay in your lane, reflect diverse lived experience without culturally appropriating, educate yourself, and pay me for my emotional labor. (laughs) Silence is violence, and words are violence, and math and reason and logic and meritocracy are all tools of white supremacy. And biological sex is a social construct, and we must judge and treat people differently on the basis of race and sex in order to fight racism and sexism. If you disagree, you're a bigot. You're exercising your privilege, and you should be censored, maybe even rounded up and re-educated, because I'm on the right side of history. I'm part of the resistance now, brought to you by Amazon, McDonald's, Disney, (laughs) Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and all the major banks and corporations, actually, elite universities, the Democratic Party, parts of the church, mainstream celebrity culture, and entertainment. We speak for oppressed and marginalized people. <laughs> we should all shut up and listen to black people. Unless you're a white person saying what I'm saying, then you can speak. And unless you're a BIPOC who is saying something other than what I'm saying, basically you can only agree with me. Otherwise, if you're a marginalized person, you've internalized your own oppression and are a tool of the white supremacist patriarchy. <laughs> happy you April. added happy april fool's day okay. uh, i did you, I have, had to. you have the look <laughs> you have the i hate the camera look going on yeah like yeah that. i'm challenging the camera <laughs> <laughs> wow thank you josh now you're afraid of the camera here this, <laughs> That's here, this looks like the camera is about to come get you <laughs> just in case you were wondering it is a joke <laughs> but uh yeah, so this was interesting because I uh, I shared it in. 
So I'm in, as I've mentioned before, I'm in uh, one, the big, a couple of groups, but one of them is the big social justice group in my town where I live. And it is one of these hardcore cultist groups where there's a couple of local women, women, of course, they're women here who consider themselves, they're like the high priestesses of social justice in my town. And they sort of rule over this group. And within the group, it just, it's just like all, any other social justice group. If you've ever been in one, it's, it's it, by the way, it's called Courageous Conversations, which is, is a nationwide thing. There's groups called Courageous Conversations. It's a social justice thing. but Which are neither courageous nor conversation. Right. Yeah. There's no conversation allowed. It's one way indoctrination. And, um, you know, over the time that I've been in the group, I've rarely said anything. One time I did a long post about why I oppose social justice and, of course, you know, the pile on happened and everything. And to their credit, they did not boot me out of the group that day. I thought I would be booted, but I think they, they probably had several meetings about what to do about me. And because I'm waiting for a day like this, where you finally dyed your hair blue and agreed. (laughs) Well, I finally agreed. So yeah, they probably had several conversations. And because I had said in my post, you know, you guys don't allow dissent. I've seen you boot people out of this group. Anybody who disagrees. So they probably were like, oh, maybe we should leave it up to try and prove her wrong. So they left it up. And then so yesterday I shared that same post there in the group. And um, you can imagine the fallout that happened. Um, but still there? <laughs> I'm still there. They <laughs> haven't they have it, booted me. But they, did they you know, get it or did some of them think you were like, yeah, you go, girl. Oh, they were angry. They were livid. Um, it was like on this day of all days, you choose people have trauma and you choose to, to do that. They basically said, uh, I'm, I have a dark soul that, uh, um, all the things that they are, they projected onto me that I'm evil and all this stuff. And, and, uh, and they, they proceeded to one of the moderators there proceeded to tangle with me about this. And, and here's a couple of interesting things that came out of it. Um, if I used a laughing emoji, she told me that I, we weren't allowed to use laughing emojis and uh, because it, it, it it's not engaging in an honest way to use a laugh emoji. So I, so I was like, OK, so just to be clear, no, no humor, no jokes. And she's she says no humor, no jokes are allowed. This is a serious place. And then the very <laughs> next post, one of the other moderators and owners of the group posts a bunch of laugh emojis at my stuff. <laughs> it's like, wait, but. Okay, so you guys can post laugh emojis? Uh, uh, okay. Then they said uh, at one point, and we got in the weeds of the discussion and debate, and um, I encouraged them to check out any of the numerous videos on YouTube of the actual lived experience of teenagers and young adults who are going through the detransition process, who are trying to detransition. If you guys aren't familiar with this, just do a quick search on YouTube. There's more of them every day. And you can listen to people from the horse's mouth tell you what it's like to try and detransition. Some of these people who who received hormone therapy treatment and stuff as children and have to live with the, the uh, consequences of that now. And just by saying you should check out some of these videos, I was told uh, I'm not allowed to do that. I'm not allowed to suggest that people watch videos that are not my lived experience, that we can't share videos from other people, strangers. <laughs> and I was like, wait a minute, because this whole group, you guys share videos all the time. And in fact, this morning, they just shared a video from a white SJW, some stranger. He's not in the group, some stranger, some white guy who's pushing social justice. They shared it. And I was like, oh, OK, let me let me figure this out. So 
you guys can post videos from other people and op-eds from other people uh, that are not from yourself. And that's okay because as long as they support social justice ideology. But I'm not allowed to share videos from anyone who doesn't support social justice ideology. Is that is that the rule? And they were like, yeah, that's it. Those are the courageous conversations we're having. These are the courageous conversations. Only one point of view will be tolerated. Um, Anyway, I I realize I'm monopolizing this. uh, No, it's funny. And I think it's a great April Fool's Day thing. And uh, look, this ideology at the end of the day, we can argue vigorously against it, but it deserves to be laughed at. It deserves to be mocked. Um, Yeah. Yeah. One of them told me that there was a lot of traffic on uh, the interstate here and that I should go play in it. And oh, yeah, because yeah. they, they love humans. And then that same person uh, said I was a schoolyard bully. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. I had a no, question. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, I was going to ask Chris, did you do any uh, April Fool's stuff? I did not do any April Fool stuff. Uh, earlier this week, I did take the carry challenge, which is a uh, challenge I made up. Uh, I was inspired by uh, Carrie's FU attitude towards wearing masks in stores. So I was like, you know what? I have a bunch of errands I got to run. So I'm just going to go into each store not wearing a mask. And if they ask me to put on a mask, I'm going to put it on, but I'm going to put it on incorrectly and see how long it takes for them <laughs> to correct me. So I went to like six or seven stores not wearing a mask. And it was about 50-50 about oh, the, cool. in terms of the ones that asked me to, to put on a mask. And I thought it was interesting because one of the stores is Hobby Lobby. And Hobby Lobby had signs that said to socially distance and to follow CDC uh, guidelines. But there was no specific thing that said wear a mask because previously they had signs saying wear a mask. So I went in there and, you know, not wearing a mask. No one really bothered me. Uh, I went up to the framing uh, counter because I needed to get something uh, dry mounted. And the guy was like, hey, uh, you got a mask? I was like, "Uh, okay. I was like, I w- I'm not going to argue with you, even though there's no sign saying I have to wear a mask. I'll just put one on, whatever. But I thought it was interesting. It seems like things are starting to, maybe with the, the vaccines and everything, people are starting to calm down a little bit. So That's cool that you tried that. So I think people should just try it because what's the worst that can happen? If As long as you can imagine what's the worst that can happen and be prepared, then just try it. Like, And you can even set up rules for yourself and say, okay, I'm going to go in this store without a mask. If they someone asks me to put it on, Am I going to put it on or not? Like decide that ahead of time. And and you can have those rules, you know, where I, I've done that before. It's like, okay, if they ask me in this particular store, I will. If they ask me in this other store, I won't. It's not important enough for me to shop in this other store. You know, so you just know before you go in and then and then you don't have to be as afraid of doing it. You can always comply if they when they ask when they ask you, you know. Right. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, isn't Hobby Lobby uh, uh, super conservative? I thought they were the one. Aren't yeah, they? they're owned. I think their owners like Christian and they play Christian music and everything. So that was, I was wondering. I was like, hmm, I wonder what they their feelings at the top are towards the mask and all that. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I I had a, a, a really beautiful encounter in the grocery store two days ago. Um, the HEB, if you watch the show, you know, I don't I haven't worn the mask in HEB all year. And they don't force, they don't force the issue. You know, at the beginning, they used to ask me if I wanted one and I would say no. And that would be it. 
you know, but now they don't even ask if I want one. <laughs> so, um, but I was at the, uh, I was standing at the meat counter and there was, there was an older woman in front of me, an old woman. She had that beautiful, long silver hair that some older women have that really, I love that like thick silver hair. Anyway, I wasn't paying close attention because I just expected her. I don't know something about the way she was dressed and everything. I was expecting her to be a masker. And I, I had my head down looking at something and she, I could tell she was turning and looking at me a couple of times. So I was behind her and I was thinking, oh, great. She's going to say something about me not wearing a mask. And then when I finally look up, when it's my turn, she had turned back around to face me and she wasn't wearing a mask. We were the only two people <laughs> in the store that day not wearing them. And this beautiful old lady. And and she said, oh, it's your turn now. And I, I said, oh, I said, it's so nice to see your face. And uh and she said, you too. And then, and then she wanted to talk to me. She's like, you know, the mask is all commun It's communism. That's what they're putting. I was like, <laughs> I know that would sound crazy to some people who aren't awake, but I know what you mean when you say that. And I'm like, very nice to meet you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've had so many beautiful encounters like that mm -hmm. this year. So I feel yeah, really I was coming out of one store and because they made me wear the mask. So as soon as I came out, I just ripped it off. And this woman walked by and goes, good for you. And she wasn't doing it in a sarcastic manner. She was like, hey, good. Yeah. <laughs> I was like triumphantly ripping it off. Yeah. That's really funny. And what was also funny is um, when I went to HEB and I was wearing my mask like beneath my nose on purpose because <laughs> I was like, I'm just going to wear it as weird as I could. And this guy who was standing next to the uh, um, checkout lane, he looked like the type that was going to get upset. <laughs> so I was a little worried, but he was like, give me some tips on stuff I can buy for some something I had in my cart. But what's funny is because I had my uh, mask beneath my nose, like he like reflexively like adjusted his mask, even though his mask was perfectly already on his nose which is the second time that's happened because i went to another store <laughs> where a woman called me over because she's trying to sell me something and i have my mask beneath my nose again and like she fixes her mask even though there's nothing to fix it's perfectly in place so i was like it's kind of funny oh it's to almost like they're seeing, it, <laughs> they're seeing that yours is wrong and they're mm -hmm. uh, subconsciously like fixing theirs to yes sign signal you like if someone has something yeah. in their teeth Sometimes you're like, I wonder if I have anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I understand that. That's kind of normal behavior. Um, Mystery Chris, you are you are like our pop culture expert, I guess. Uh, Yay. <laughs> I have a question for. I well, I guess I have some. I have some light questions, I guess, but I have a I have a kind of a deep deeper. I don't know how deep it is question oh. that I was thinking about this morning. Um, it's kind of a couple parts. My first question is not that deep, which is have the problems that super. So how have superheroes changed in the past 50 years, both in terms of the problems that they've ha been called upon to solve and in terms of their superpowers? So you cut out a little bit. Yeah, I heard the first part, how superheroes changed in the last 50 years. Oh, yeah. Both in terms of the problems that they're asked to solve but also the problems or, but also their superpowers. Has there been a change? I, I think there has been a change, especially after uh watchman came out, which I wanted to ask you about that. Cause I remember, uh, I think it was 2019. I think you say you start watching the HBO watchman and, and quit, but I want to ask you, see if you ever finished that series. But yeah, I, I think with uh, uh, superheroes, I think you've kind of seen the influence of 
um, the rise of the anti-hero, which kind of influenced a lot of superheroes in the 70s and 80s. And I think beyond that, you start seeing more kind of postmodernist kind of um, view towards uh, morality, where you start seeing a lot of superheroes that, you know, weren't all that <laughs> heroic. And so, uh, yeah, I, I think you've really seen that influence in the past 30 years, 40, almost 40 years uh, in the superhero genre. And I, I think it's kind of influenced a lot of um, newer superheroes and even older ones now, I, I think. So and what was the second part? Well, I, I guess I was thinking about the problems. Like, I'll tell you what I was, what made me think about this. I remember the old black and white Superman shows. Mm-hmm. And the he was a superhero, but the problems that he was solving were like, catching some really bad but believable criminals usually it wasn't like there's an evil mastermind who's going to destroy the entire universe right through some fourth dimensional portal or what like there wasn't it was like really bad guys who want to murder some people or steal the jewels and like he's gonna save that it was his he was called upon to do much more ordinary forms of heroism Mm -hmm. than i think now and i don't know if that's true generally or if that was just my recollection of Superman only. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not super familiar with like all the superhero or excuse me, Superman um, comics from that time, but from a little what I know, yeah, I think you are pretty accurate in terms of the uh, types of um, challenges that they had to face. It kind of escalated, especially with uh, more superheroes becoming more and more powerful and the need to actually feel like they had to face a, villain that was on par with them in terms of their um, power. But I I think things kind of got less, I don't know if I want to say philosophical, but I I think things kind of broke down, you know, like I was saying earlier, you know, in the eighties, I guess. Good and evil didn't matter as much. Yeah. Yeah. It it became CGI. Correct. Yeah. I think those are those classic archetypes started to kind of fall by the wayside and things become a lot more murky. Uh, and, and I think that's something that you've seen in, in just in general and in, in, in pop culture, because, you know, I was thinking about how uh, a lot of the modern kind of if you want to call it mythology that uh, pop culture is based on. A lot of that it draws its inspiration from, you know, uh, classical um, literature, even the Bible and stuff. Um, Robert Meyer Burnett, who's a great uh, YouTuber, made this great point about how a lot of uh, writers, people who are going to college right now, aren't being taught about the classic uh, stories. They're not being taught about the Bible. And regardless if someone believes the Bible is literally or not, those stories influence Western mythology and, and so many other stories. And I think that's being lost. And not only that, when people are being trained to look at things through the lens of race and gender and sexual orientation and to find how certain things are supposedly uh, symbols of oppression and all things. I think that that also has contributed to the destruction of these classical archetypes that we've seen in, in the past 40 years, I'd say. I, I guess I'm, so I want to probe this a little bit more now because the thing I was thinking about was, are you familiar with uh, the Walter Mitty like stereo like archetype no i'm not so walter mitty i think they they made a movie out of it but i think it was from the 30s some guy wrote about walter mitty and the, and the idea of a, a walter mitty is is a guy who's kind of like normal and ineffectual uh and kind of basically has no he's never going to do anything real 
in real life. He's never going to do anything spectacular, but has fantasies about, you know, being a like doing that like awesome things, right? Um, but is ultimately just kind of ineffectual in real life. And I'm wondering if, as a culture, I again, I think about, I think about sometimes I I reread this essay about the Second Amendment. I know this is, sounds unrelated, but it's related. I re, I, I reread this essay. Uh, I think it was called Walter Mitty's Second Amendment. Um, and it was the point of this essay was it was from the '90s, and and it was that. The Second Amendment is, if I had to summarize it, I would say the Second Amendment is necessary but not sufficient condition for freedom. And one way that what you can do is you can say, well, don't worry, we have our guns. But if you never use them because you've been uh, numbed to being cattle and you've Mm -hmm. become a compliant populace, it doesn't they can let you have all the toys that you want. Um, Your guns have just become accessories because you don't you don't actually do anything with them and if you never if you never oppose anyone um then it doesn't really matter and i was what i was thinking about was are we is our population becoming so easily controllable and so docile that we're becoming more and more walter mitty like more and more just like we can't do anything at all but we dream but we dream even bigger and bigger as like now, our, our dreams about what we could do and our superheroes have gotten bigger and and our movies have gotten more uh, like the events in the movies are more cataclysmic and there's like the stakes are higher. Everything's like more dramatic in our television while we're p- partly maybe because the opposite is happening with us. We're becoming less and less powerful, less and less uh, like more and more risk averse and less and less willing to actually fight for anything ourselves. So we have to watch someone else do it. Can I jump in here? It's a, yeah, it's a you I'm, can it's see that question. with just with free speech. I mean, we are, we have free speech granted in the constitution. Are we exercising it? I would, I would argue not, not to the degree that we should be because they've, they've cowed us. You know, we saw some protests at the beginning of the lockdowns. And then what did they do? They called all the lockdown protests. Those people are anti-American. They're uh, bigots. They're trying to kill everyone. They're stupid. They're all, you know, so the media did their smear job about it. And then people stopped protesting the lockdowns. And then, of course, the BLM protests and riots came along and the media supported those. Oh, you can protest in this way. But there aren't enough people. There aren't enough uh, Lisa Harmons, you know. Who who's who's going to go? Yes, Lisa Hansen. Talk about her. Lisa Hansen, who's going to go to jail in Minnesota, simply for running her small business, for opening her cafe against the edict, the governor's edict that you can't. You know that there need to be more people like Lisa Hansen who are are willing to stand up and say this is wrong, and I'm going to exercise my constitutional rights, and I'm going to operate my business no matter what you say. And I'm, you know, and I'm going to protest these lockdowns because they are unconstitutional and, and we've, we have the right, but we're not using it. You know, and I'm, I'm like, right. I saw today, I saw today that uh, uh, the prime minister in the UK just said uh, that there's, they're still, uh, they're saying that two vaccinated people cannot gather together because it's not safe. <laughs> They cannot gather together, even if both are vaccinated, they cannot gather together because they can still um, contract and transmit the virus. 
Well, yeah, they told us that from the beginning. It doesn't, the, the vaccine doesn't prevent you from getting COVID and it doesn't prevent you from transmitting it. And yet people flocked to get it and they were rolling over, we're rolling over as they're pushing out these vaccine passports, these, these uh, mandates. You know, I just saw, I got in my inbox today, um, uh, a vaccine policy from a local college in Austin um, St. Edwards University in Austin, they just sent out an email to all of their students saying that they will be required to get a vaccine to come back in order to come back to school, which is insane. They can't require that. And then, and then uh, when I, when I posted about it, I saw people responding saying, yeah, Cornell just did the same thing. Rutgers just yeah, did the same thing. These universities are saying you have to get a vaccine to come back to school. Who's going to stand up and fight that? There need to be people who are saying, I refuse. I will sue you. <laughs> like, right. so, can, so is it related to superhero? Is there a, is there a, I think, I think we're probably in agreement with Carrie that, that the culture has become more docile. Is that related at all to what we've seen in comics or pop culture? Hmm. That is an interesting question because you know, lately I've been thinking about why we haven't been able to really learn the lessons that were inherent in a lot of narratives that we've been seeing. And so I don't know if superhero ever people are looking towards others to, to do things and not themselves. I'm not sure what the relationship, why that would be, because typically the point of superhero is to really inspire the individual and to set that kind of um, idealistic standard for someone to strive for. But as Does to why that's failing, bit, go ahead. Yeah, well, but I guess I to me, and and you know, I'm not super into comic books, so I might not be the right guy to to like. I sh maybe my own personal analysis is irrelevant here, but uh, to me, I can enjoy a superhero with cool power. Like it's fun to watch, but it's much less inspirational than seeing an ordinary person uh, or just a human. Like a great human do something awesome to me is more like I to me, if you're if we're going to talk about like crisis situations and people doing awesome things, Bruce Willis and Die Hard is more inspiring than Superman spinning the globe <laughs> backwards to go back three days and save humanity. Like mm -hmm. because I can't ever be Superman, but I could just be a dude who does something good. Right. Like, does that right. make sense? Yes. Yeah, yeah, no, that totally makes sense. And uh, like I said, I guess with, with superheroes and particularly their targeting of kids, uh, I'm not sure where that that exactly is breaking down and why that. I, I'm guessing it's just other factors with society that are more influential than these these tales uh, coming through these superhero genre through uh, other forms of medium targeted towards kids. Uh, yeah, like I said, I don't know. It's just that that individual. Uh, aspect and inspiring the individual to, to make that change. I think it's just uh, quite missing. And, and again, you know, as you guys talk about, I think it's more collective and I'm not sure exactly where the breakdown in terms of what the relationship is between the, these um, genres are in comparison to, to uh, how that relates to the individual and, and the effect, 
the uh, influence it has on them taking some kind of action in their own personal lives to make the world a, a better place. Because, you know, as, as Carrie was just talking about a little bit uh, uh, earlier, um, I had mentioned to her last week that I didn't quite understand why humanity continued to go through these cycles of uh, history, despite us having all of these, not only just stories from history, but all these just fictional stories that talked about what happens when governments get too much power. You look at 1984, A Brave New World. You can look at even something like Star Wars, the Star Wars prequels, where you know I love the start with the original Star Wars. Even like, <laughs> yeah. it, it's 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 one of those like we worship the rebellion, but no one notices that the Empire is literally where we're living. We're living yeah. under the Empire. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. I, well, if the president just put on a a dark helmet and a black cape. Maybe then people will be like, oh, I see. Oh, I see now. (laughs) They've convinced a a large portion of the population that the empire is the rebellion. I mean, they they literally called when they were out in the streets, you know, after Trump was elected, they called it the resistance. We're in the resistance. Like, (laughs) wait, wait, what do you mean? You're the status quo. You guys agree with all the all everyone who owns power in this culture currently. Every major corporation is speaking your ideology, your social justice ideology. Coca-Cola, Disney, Delta, McDonald's, they're all speaking your ideology. All the banks, they're in agreement with you. The Democratic Party and, and portions of the Republican Party, like they all, the, the, the elite are speaking what you're speaking. You're not the rebellion, but see, how did they do that? How did they get people? That's, that's a, I want to see a movie like that where they, they convince the sheep that the empire is the rebellion. (laughs) (laughs) But, but, but I just, I still can't get over all the movies we've had all the, the, the stories from history, uh, even the religions that prophesized, uh, what it'd be like in the end of days where governments get way too much power and persecute people. Like despite all of this, we still refuse to accept what human nature is and its relationship to positions of power. We just we, we can't accept it. We keep wanting to believe in, you know, benevolent dictators that you can give so much power to a person or a group of people to mm-hmm. govern us. And it's just the same thing keeps playing out over and over and over again. And it doesn't matter how technologically evolved we are. It doesn't matter all of the video we have of horrible things happening because of people having too much power. We just, we continue to fall for the same tricks. And I just, I don't understand. And when you think about, like I was saying with Star Wars, the prequels where Emperor Palpatine creates a false threat and uses that threat to militarize the Republic and then consolidates power to become the empire. Like that's just the basic story, something as we've seen through history, but something in fiction. And we still can't learn the lessons from that. That's what I don't understand. Yeah. Well, I think it's not, it's not a question of, I've I've resigned myself to to believe that it's not a question of intelligence. We're intelligent enough to understand that metaphor, um, and that it's a threat. But I the the more I, you know, do this show and think about this, the more I, I'm coming to the conclusion that the problem is really psychology. Like, yes, philosophy is is important, and I think philosophy and psychology need to work together. But the access to better philosophy is available. And if you could just force people to like, if you just, 
explained better philosophy to them, it doesn't work. It falls on deaf ears, and that's because of psychology. There's not um, – there's something – there's something in humans generally, not all humans, but there's some aspect of human psychology in a large percent of the population that basically goes like this. Facts be damned. I want it to be true. Yeah. And that is a – I mean that psychological attitude – in my opinion, not to sound eugenicist, that needs to be bred out of humanity. We need to get rid of that psychological attitude. That is horribly destructive. Like, facts be damned, I want it to be true, is that's a recipe for suicide. And that's what we've seen. We've got this, we have this suicidal, like, masochistic streak as humans, where I think that's why we're repeating this over and over again. It's like, yeah, I know communism has worked hasn't worked every single time. I know, yeah, I know this always happens, but I want it to be true. It's like, all right, well, yeah. Then then you'll have to suffer again and your grandkids will suffer. Um yeah. at some point we need to really be able to figure out how to change our psychology. Our psychology. Yeah, I agree. You know, yeah. I, it is though you're making me think of something. I was I was thinking of this morning. I'm I remain cognizant of the fact that there are people um, wait more like we talked about before. There are more people waking up every day to what's really happening and uh, because it's accelerated so much. And, and um, I heard about today uh, a friend of a friend who's on the left who watches our show and agrees with the stuff and, you know, that we talk about. And, and it just reminded me that there are every day, even on our little show, there are liberals who are starting to watch and there are, are um, people who maybe even have accepted previously some of the tenets of social justice who are starting to watch and to wake up. And um, I, I just, I want to, I sometimes forget that. And I want to make sure we're always like aware that there are those people waking up all the time and that that's possible. And I don't know what that is like to, it is a psychological thing, the waking up part, I think. It's it's something changes in the in a person's psychology where um, it, it's it's not just like we've talked about. It's not just like hey, here here are some facts. Read these facts, and and then maybe you'll wake up. No, there has to be there has to be psychologically something that happens in a person where they become open. You know, whereas previously, yeah, where they're willing to they're willing to put yeah. aside their personal feelings about what they want to be true or what's easy or whatever like look accepting so i know you talk about the jonathan height elephant rider thing a lot and the thing that i think is i think that analogy is generally true the thing that i think is dangerous about that analogy is assuming that everyone does it to the same extent and i'm not i'm not saying that my rider always rides carry you know damn well sometimes my elephant (laughs) the reins right and go like you know you've had conversations with me with my elephant right to- yeah. Totally, that happens. Sometimes um, it's our elephants yelling at each other. Right, <laughs> right. However, I, 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 I'm, I'm not trying to <laughs> brag. I'm like, my rider is in control way more than most people's because I, without that analogy, spent years trying to confront things that were physically and psychologically uncomfortable for me, and trying to choose what I thought was right against what I felt like, mm-hmm. and. That was, and some of it was un, was was unhealthy. What I was doing, I'm not suggesting anyone do what I was doing exactly, but 
so some of it was unhealthy. I was making, but I was really trying to train myself to, you've come to this conclusion, you need to get over the feelings that contradict it and do the, like act as if it's true because that, because you've concluded that it's true. And that's not an easy thing to do. And I'll never be perfect at it, but that needs to be that. I think that needs to be something that we at least try to do. That needs to be something that we teach our kids. Like, look, you're, you're going to feel like doing stupid, horrible things. You're going, and it's going to cloud your judgment, figuring out how to use, like, think about it rationally and make a decision that you don't like that doesn't feel good and follow through with it that's being human that's the essence of being human uh i just wanted to before we get too far along i wanted to read some of these super chats is that cool yeah pirate tomsky says sjw's i mock thee as you should there's a time for mocking there is uh, Rebecca, thank you, says, can we make every April Fool's Day SJW Day? This means they would I just- I love that idea. <laughs> one day, one day to celebrate their hate for everything and then we can move on. Uh, Andrew says, it's been so weird that I, can, I can't I can not wear a mask without making a public statement. Yeah, it's, I, I like this meme I saw the other day that said, I'm not anti-mask, I'm pro-face. We were here first. I'm, like, yeah. <laughs> I'm pro-face, we were here first. Hey, my face was here first. Yeah. Uh, Azor says, I leave for the week and carry relapses. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then Mandy says, I had no idea that Darkman 1990 was played by Liam Neeson and Bruce Campbell until recently. As a kid, I didn't care who the actor or the character was. Um, <laughs> Penumbra says, smash the patriarchy, Karen. I'm trying. And G-Men says, Carter, I'm sorry, but you will never be John McClane either. I love you, brother. No, I'm totally disagreeing with this. How dare you, G-Man? I'm so close. <laughs> I just need to be a lot more tough and a better shot. I'm a decent shot. I don't think I could walk on glass. I want to uh, be Snake Bliskin. That's how I do any of the other cool stuff. And I don't think I could do the tape thing. And the, like that, that was a nice, that was some nice shots. I couldn't have cool quippy one-liners, but uh, you know. Marie Busky says it's a lot. It's a lot more obtainable than Superman. Let's just be honest. Marie Busky says it's my lived experience. So it must be true. Okay, here's a funny thing about that. In that social justice group I was in where I posted the April Fool's Day post, um, <laughs> I was told, again, that I could not share uh, videos or opinion pieces from anyone because it wasn't my lived experience. I'll, but they can share videos, numerous videos and opinion pieces, that's all they share, from other people because it supports the social justice ideology. So lived experience, as we know, with this ideology, um, it, it's one rule for me, another rule for thee. So as long as I'm sharing stuff that supports social justice ideology, I can share whatever I want from whomever I want. I can share a video from Robin DeAngelo. I can share a video from Ibram X. Kendi, but I cannot share a video from John McWhorter. I cannot share a video from... Uh, uh, Zuby, uh, I cannot share a video from Candace Owens. You know, there are people that they don't allow. And it's, it's, it, I just thought that was amazing. I was like, wait, but this is, I'm sharing somebody else. I'm sharing a lived, this is a lived experience. That's what I'd like to share. Somebody's lived experience. Anyway, uh, Chris, Christ says thought experiment was Waco and 
IRL Galt's Gulch. Uh, I've thought about that a lot, Christ. Um, slash Jason. It's hard to say Christ to someone. It sounds like I'm talking yeah. to Jesus. I'm not. <laughs> I'm talking to Jason, just to be clear. Uh, <laughs> I I think it might have been a little bit. I mean, there's obviously comparing David Koresh to like the people in in Galt's Gulch is a little bit ridiculous. Like, there, you know, so that part of the analogy breaks down. But it does show you, and we talked about this in the past, it does show you that you are not allowed to separate. Like in, and I've, I've said this before, but I'll say it again. In a free society, in a, I'm going to use the, the bad word that people don't like, in a capitalist society, which means a society that respects property rights and individual rights, in a free society, the communists are allowed to go buy, you know, pool the resources, buy a swath of land in Berkeley, set up camp, share and share alike, do all their, live out their communist ideals. They're allowed to do all that and to have no property and to share everything. And they're allowed to do their experiment and see how it goes. In the leftist utopia, in the even in not even just communism, the mild what they'll call democratic socialism or any kind of version of the leftist world, you are not allowed to go buy a swath of land in Montana with your friends and just be free and be like, hey, how about everyone owns their own house and we'll exchange goods and services together uh, as we like? No, you're not. You're not allowed to do that. So um, to some extent, you know, Galt's Gulch is a pipe dream that is only made possible because if you'll remember in the book, it's undetectable. So Gulch, Gulch, Gulch survives because they can't find it. That's why it survives. They knew exactly where Waco was. And you can expect that's exactly what they would do to a group of people who decided we're going to get together and build a liberty society in this and area. All, of the an country. autonomous zone of liberty. Uh, so, and then, right. Can't do and that. then I just want to say, Bengali Steve, thank you for the super chat. I can't find it, or I'd read it, but thank you. And then Comics Division is here. He says, comic books and superheroes are modern mythology, which I agree with. Yep. And yeah, I think that's also why you see because look at the stories that they're that they're telling us. Look at the archetypes that they're pushing in pop culture. If you look at Jordan Peterson has talked about old Disney movies and the archetypes and the kind of stories they would tell centered around oftentimes for lack of a better word, centered around individualism or the hero's journey. You know, he does a whole lecture about Pinocchio. That's outstanding. If you guys haven't heard it, I love that. I love his breakdown of Pinocchio, but then over time, what, what is Disney pushing now? What kind of, message and and story are they're pushing now and it's it's a it's more of a woke that's what woke is in is infecting pop culture because they want to infect what are our myths what are the stories that we tell what are the ways for being in the world that we want to put forward well it's not the hero's journey anymore <laughs> it's something else yeah, you can look at a lot of uh, shows uh, on those one-hour drama types and how many have protagonists that are really awful people. So I can look at something like House of Cards, which I liked until they got rid of Cup Spacey, but 
he his character is a terrible human being. <laughs> like there's nothing heroic or good or redeeming about the man. But yet I found myself cheering for him, even though he's evil. And I'm like, this is what modern TV is now. Yeah, I think the I think they get off on getting you to empathize with with monsters. Yeah, um, I think that's part of what they like doing. And I, I I can imagine them sitting around a writing room like, well, what if we make what if we get the audience to empathize with someone who's just or what if we make him do? We'll make him kill someone. We'll make him push a reporter in front of a train, and he'll still be the protagonist. People will still care about what. Like, ooh, can we do that? Yep. Unfortunately, the answer is yes. You can. Yes, you can do that. Ah, <laughs> uh, so you know about the people coming over, like a leftist waking up. Someone just said, "If you don't wake up now, you never will." I think the the gay rascal said that. Um, <laughs> I don't know the gay rascal. I've been saying I've been saying that, or at least thinking it to myself for quite a long time, and I, I it it does continue to get worse. So eventually, people will see more. You know, it 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 becomes more and more obvious. And I'm sure there's pockets of people who still haven't interacted with social justice ideology very much. Um, so they could still wake up. My concern think, about people, people waking up, though. Go ahead. Well, I think yeah, I think people can still wake up e even even if they haven't woken up yet. Because because I think it's going to get worse, and I think people have different right. levels at which it, it, I guess it's required for them to be able to see how bad things are. For some people, it has to be, and some people never will, even if they are thrown into a gulag, they won't renounce social justice. But but I do think that um, that will continue to see people waking up because also some people haven't they've isolated themselves to such a degree that they they don't come into contact with liberal ideas um they don't they haven't come into contact with uh, the numerous shows that now exist podcasts like ours they they just haven't they that's how i was i had i was completely isolated in a social justice echo chamber and there's people like that i know people like that who that's that's the world they're in and so it just yeah. it just takes like one crack in that and and it may not be today but i i could i still i think people if they haven't woken up yet they still might wake up <laughs> it's, it's coming. Right. I mean, eventually. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do think at this point we've really hit a. It, it's been pretty obvious. So if you haven't woke up yet, you don't have much time probably to wake up. But my one of my concerns, and I'm going to say this in a statistical sense. This is not about individuals in particular. This is about a statistically, uh, the later people wake up, um, the less useful they're going to be anyway. Right, because like they can't put in as much time fighting it. If they if they wake up five minutes before the Holocaust, well, there's not a lot you can do five minutes beforehand uh, to to fight it. Right? Um, it maybe maybe if had you know if you have let's say you've got some huge influencer like uh, I don't know who, who do the kids like PewDiePie. Like, I don't know PewDiePie. Right. If PewDiePie wakes up five years ago and starts talking about this, or a couple years ago, he might have had a much bigger impact than if he wakes up at, at the at eleven fifty nine, right? If he wakes up the, at the last minute, um, that's he, when he wakes up. It's like okay, he well, did wake up. Oh, by the way, okay, I don't know. yeah, four or five years ago, yeah, yeah. So, but but you mean like thing, someone who's in the mainstream, like in the culture, like uh, like if yeah. if if I don't know Cardi B. 
<laughs> yeah, I was going to say Cardi B, but I couldn't imagine Cardi B waking up in that way, so <laughs> I, I I bit my tongue. But yeah, someone like someone mainstream like that, you know, wakes up uh the earlier they do it the better. And also uh the thing that I've uh, that concerns me about people who wake up at the last minute is um and again, this is speaking in general, not individually. A lot of them, their first reaction is like, well, now we've gone too far. It's like, oh, now we've gone too far, right? And they want to rewind very little. They're like, oh, well, if we just – can we just get back to the thing, the way things were a couple of years ago? Um, and the analogy I want to make is uh, <laughs> this ideology is like a truck – that was released from the top of a hill a long time ago and it's barreling down the hill and you know it's knocking things over as it goes and some people noticed at the top of the hill when it was still kind of slow and gaining steam some people noticed hey there's a trajectory here it's going to knock over a bunch of crap and by the way maybe at the bottom of the hill is society just like you know civil war it knocks over everything right and so there are people warning hey there's a truck we have to stop the truck let's you know push the truck back, try and get it back up the hill. But the, it's been gaining momentum and it's going so fast and now it's going down the hill. If you're not noticing until now and you're like, well, if we just back up a few years, backing up a few years means the truck still has all this momentum and it's just going to keep crashing. Like you have to go back to the top of the hill. You have to go all the way back. You have to say, okay, what caused, what are the root causes of social justice ideology being like that? It's not... It's not that suddenly they took collectivism too far. That's not, that's not the problem. They didn't suddenly take good ideas too far. That's not what happened. They started with bad ideas. And if you don't recognize that, you're actually not going to help. So you might help postpone the problem by rewinding a couple of years, but you're not going to help save society from the barreling truck of bad ideas that's about to smash into everything. You just, you aren't. And I think that figuring that out takes time and so people who are delayed in waking up and then when they finally do are kind of like oh well it's just this you know just this last thing was wrong everything else up to this was fine it's just naive um and i but think they should the have some that Go ahead. Is, i agree with you and and i think it's unfortunate that there are, there are stages of coming out of a cult ideology and unfortunately you're right when uh especially for the latecomers i guess the people who wake up late but but it happened with me too you wake up in stages so like sarah silverman you know we we talked about how she shared that video where she right, she's is, early yeah she shared the video recently where she's calling out the excesses of the woke left and calling out the purity spiral that happens in the cancel the cancel culture that's happening um, but she's woken up in like one stage. Do you know what I mean? It, it generally is like, at least in my experience, when I first woke up, it was like, oh, this ideology has gone too far. There are some excesses here, but the core ideas are still true. I and mean, we've talked about even that first interview I did yes. after I wrote the article about leaving the social justice cult, I still believed in some of the stuff they push like white privilege. I did an interview where I said, well, I still believe if white privilege is a thing and it's a problem. And, th and that was true because it's you don't just discard all of that ideology overnight. It's like you slowly start to come out of it and then see, oh, this isn't these problems that are coming from social justice ideology are not a bug. 
they're feature they're built they're into feature. it that's it's right. the ideology yeah. itself that's corrupt it's not that it's yeah. gone too far the ideology itself at its core is wrong it's wrong-headed it's bad it's racist it's sexist it's collectivist it's all those things but it takes a while to see that because at first you i think part of that is it's like what you were talking about earlier it's psychology people have their identity so deeply enmeshed with their belief system that to wake up to all of it and just reject their entire ideologies. It's too hard. People don't do that overnight. It's just, it happens in stages, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever have like a quick, like a second where you wish you were like blue pill just for like a second, like it passed through your mind going, man, it'd be kind of nice to not know what's coming and just kind of enjoy the moment. Ignorance is bliss. Yeah. You're, you're kind of like psycho from the matrix. Like, oh, I want to go back to matrix. Yeah. Do you? You guys? No. And only for a second. I don't want to, obviously, but just for like occasionally it goes to my head. Like, man, it'd be so nice. Just ignorance is bliss, kind of thing. Yeah, I don't. I, mean, have I definitely the... wish that it wasn't happening, but I don't. I <laughs> yeah. wish that it was happening and I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have to agree with Carter. I've, I haven't even for a second. I've, I've never wished that I didn't wake up. You know. I, w- I would still rather have my eyes open than to b- go back to blissful sleep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, someone asked me to stand up. I think the reason is because of my shirt. So I'm going to. This is my Black Guns Matter shirt. There you go. Now you know, Mandy. Um, it's Mosh Teray's shirt. Yep. So wait a minute, Chris. Yes. What do you, what's your Watchmen crest question? Let's talk about let's talk yeah, about so, pop culture. What's I, I was I was curious to see if you finished the series, the HBO Watchmen oh, series. Oh, no, I stopped after the first episode. It was so horrible. It was ruining the movie I liked. I'm like, I can't. No, I didn't. Yeah, yeah, that Did was a better? smart move. No, it didn't. <laughs> well, no, because like the, the the original Watchmen uh, comic book uh, had a lot of heroes that were very morally ambiguous, but they had like. Certain characters represented certain kind of moral philosophies. Like you had Rorschach was kind of a moral absolutist and Ozymandias was the consequentialist. And it, it kind of ended with that consequentialist uh, question of, you know, do the ends justify the means when right. he, you know, teleports a squid into New York, killing three you know, million people in order to save the world from nuclear annihilation. But like that whole thing was completely missing from the show. Like it was literally black and white where the main protagonist was a black woman and she's fighting white supremacists, which is there's nothing morally ambiguous about white supremacy, <laughs> but that was like the main plot and they bring in some other stuff that ends up going nowhere. And it was just complete embarrassment to the book. And I just, I, I don't understand how it got, well, I do understand why so many critics i'll put them in quotes you know gave it rave reviews i think it was nominated for some emmys and stuff you know it got canceled after one season yeah i think it was emmys it got nominated for some awards it's it it, that's what hollywood does though they just they they nominate garbage stuff that they don't even watch you know oh it's got a lot of representation in it oh (laughs) it's It's like the uh the way the reviews are split on rotten tomatoes it's gotten nowadays to where you can almost guarantee if the critics love it, if the establishment mm-hmm. loves it, the audience vote's going to be the opposite and vice versa. Yeah. 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 This, so this isn't philosophical, but did you watch Utopia? No, I didn't. Not the, not either one, the original British or the new. No. One. It's, 
one of the darkest <laughs> it's one of the darkest shows I've watched in a long time. But I really like it. And I actually like the American one better than the British one, but I have nothing to say. I just started <laughs> watching this. I have to pick it it's back really up. It's, is it the one where it starts off where they're uh, looking for a comic book? Yes. Okay. I have to finish yeah. it. I yeah. only watched it, the first one. Carrie, part. there's moments where like I like my wife couldn't watch on the cat. She was just like, I don't tell me when the scene's over. I can't. Oh. It's it's okay. really dark. But you like horror stuff. Yeah, so I don't mind you'll dark. Be like you'll be like, woo. Um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Uh I don't know. It, it, it would the, the Watchmen thing would have made more sense and been more relevant if instead of having a group of white supremacists that were inspired by Rorschach, instead of if instead they portrayed him as being like conspiracy theorists who knew that Ozymandias faked an alien invasion. And that would be, that would have more parallels to things that are going on now and it made a lot more sense. And again, you could still have that kind of moral ambiguity uh with those characters in the groups. But no, they wanted to make everything black and white, and they had a protagonist that they established of having a really traumatic childhood, but for the most part, she's pretty well adjusted. Not like the characters in the original Watchmen series, they're all screwed up. Like, it made more sense why they were doing, you know, superheroes. the bad guys were inspired by Rorschach? Yes. Yeah, there was nothing in the original comic book that you know said he was racist and stuff. I was going to say, I didn't remember him being racist. Was he a racist? No. There was there there was nothing that that implied that he he was right wing and I think he was meant as more of a caricature of right wing people because Alan Moore is kind of a crazy communist kind of guy but yeah, yeah uh, there was nothing in there and they decided to take that because it was inspired by um, Tanahisi Coates uh, say Carrie yeah I think you're more familiar yeah. with his his writings because he right. wrote something about a uh, reparations and so Damon Lindelof decided to uh, take that and build a story with the Watchmen universe uh, around that. Because in the, in the, this, this Watchmen series, um, Robert Redford is the president and he passes reparations, but I think called red red for rations. Mm-hmm. And so this is what fuels the white supremacist and, you know, doing their thing. It's, it's dumb. Huh. I'll, I'll tell you, have you guys seen, since we're talking pop culture, have you seen the new Quentin Tarantino movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Mm-mm. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Are you the one that told me to watch it, Chris? Um, I don't think so. I can't. Somebody was telling me to watch. So I I watched it without knowing anything about what it was going to be about. And when they showed a shot of Cielo Drive, I was said, oh, crap. Is this are the Manson killings in this? And of course they are <laughs> featured in it. Um. I really enjoy, first of all, I really enjoyed it. I like Tarantino. I think, I think his movies, one of the things I like about his movies is that they're visually and they're visually stunning and immersive and they're, and you can tell they're made by someone who loves movies. You know, he, that, that he has a deep appreciation for film and he puts lots of references in his films and, and just the way he shoots them. It, he, you can tell that he just loves cinema um, and I think also he does a great job with music. And and again, it, it gives you this immersive experience. I think his storytelling is sometimes not as good as the visual element. But um, but at the end of his storytelling, one of the things I like is he always has this just sort of over-the-top vengeance <laughs> where the audience feels like you're almost able to laugh at something 
awful that's happening because it's happening to the bad guys. He has very clear good guys and bad guys. And um, so anyway, after, after watching that, you know, like Carter knows, I've been uh, watching a lot of documentaries about cults and different kinds of cults recently. And years ago, I read about, I read Helter Skelter by uh, Vincent Bugliosi. You know, I followed, I read some stuff about the, the Manson cult, but um, this caused me to go and watch another documentary about it. And so one of the things that struck me was that the Manson family cult is obviously very different from social, the social justice cult in a lot of ways, but some of the things are similar, just like with all of these cults. And one of those things is that if you look at the the Manson girls and you look at their um, interviews and stuff after they were arrested. Um, they talk a lot about how the the indoctrination happens gradually. And, you know, you start off, you're just, just like in social justice ideology, you're just being asked to accept this one thing. And you're being, uh, you're, you're, uh, you're being preyed upon by people telling you that um, you're special, that you're unique, you know, in the case of the Manson family, Charles Manson was able to, he was very charismatic, of course, but he was able to prey upon what pe people's weaknesses. So if it was someone who felt like they were undervalued and, and were never treated as smart, he would tell them how smart they were, you know, and build that ego. And I feel like social justice does that too. It's like, once you convert, once you've accepted the basic premises, you're now held up as being one of the morally virtuous people. You know, they're, you're given lots of gas queens and brave and stunning for accepting it. Like they build you up. And anyway, this is kind of a tangent, but I saw the, I saw the, I saw that movie. I think it's good. It's not woke. It's certainly the Tarantino. It's not woke at all. And it will, it does, it does dive into some of the Manson family stuff. Sorry. I took us off on another direction. <laughs> Carter's like, no, I haven't seen it. I don't know. I've never seen the movie. I, I have nothing to comment. Do you on. like Tarantino movies? Uh, Yes and no. Um, they're too – most of them are too disturbing mm. for me. Like I don't like watching – like Reservoir Drugs, I don't like watching – I don't like watching that crap. It just doesn't – I don't – it doesn't do it for me. I do appreciate the artistic direction. Like he's he's unusual. Like he does things artistically that are kind of interesting and unusual. And like I like Kill Bill even though that also has some like over-the-top really mm -hmm. horrible stuff in it. Like I, I enjoyed it partly because it was kind of intentionally over the top, and um, but Natural Born Killers I didn't really think was that good. Um, and I don't really, I had Reservoir Dogs I didn't like. I'm not really a Tarantino fan. I think he's, uh, I think he's um, shocking for shocking sake, and I don't oh. respect that. Hmm. Interesting. It was rumored a couple of years ago he was going to do a Star Trek movie and it was going to be rated R. Was like, huh, how many N-words are going to be in? Right. I can't, I can't watch a Tarantino movie now without noticing all his shots of feet. Because it came out he has some kind of foot fetish. And so what? I was watching Kill Bill the other day. I was like... And they showed a close-up of Uma Thurman's feet, and I was like, "Oh, there it is." <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, 
Uh, I bet they were in this movie. I just didn't win. I didn't know to pay yeah. attention. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. so what, what are you watching lately, Chris? Yeah, there you go. Uh, so um, I've been watching a um, show called For All Mankind, which is a alternative history uh, show about if the Russians had landed on the moon before the Americans. And as this show was uh, created by Ronald Moore, and uh, we talked about Ronald Moore on our first uh, uh, pop culture uh, podcast. Uh, he's one of the main writers on Deep Space Nine and uh, Star Trek Next Generation and did the Battlestar Galactica reboot. And I have a man crush on him. So he gets a lifetime pass. I don't care what he does. <laughs> he could do like softcore porn and I'd be like, hey, Battlestar Galactica, yay. But he did this show, and uh, it's on Apple TV. I didn't know about its first season until the second season started coming out. And I looked up the trailer, and the trailer showed, I guess there was a segment where it showed some women astronauts. I was like, "Uh uh-oh, is this going to be woke? Because, like, the Apple, uh, for the first season, the Apple trailer had about uh, 20, I think it was 26 at the time I looked, it was 26 upvotes, thousand upvotes to 10,000 downvotes. And I was like, Oh, great. So I watched the show and I don't, I would not say it's woke. It's progressive, definitely progressive. There are a lot of progressive storylines in it. Um, like for instance, there's a, um, a legal immigration group, a family that's coming over from Mexico and it's being juxtaposed as the Americans land on the moon. And so the symbolism is kind of obvious what they're kind of going for in that that particular scene. So, um, but beyond that, I think with that particular storyline, there was only like one incidence that uh, a white person was like mean to the the you know Mexican family. But uh, it, it got me thinking about if you're going to be in Hollywood, if you're going to be making a, any kind of period piece in a time in a place that had predominantly white people, that you're either going to have to ignore that it was predominantly white and just replace everybody you know like uh, the hamilton music musical and just ignore that everyone's mixed race different races and stuff or you're gonna have to find ways to to make it at least somewhat plausible that you're gonna have people of different races at a time that was you know predominantly white and so you know this show being in the 60s you know in america still kind of predominantly white you know, I understood they need, they had to find ways to kind of incorporate, you know, these different, you know, storylines and checkboxes. Like there's a storyline about uh, a couple of, uh, you know, NASA workers who are secretly gay. And I was like, and it's, it didn't bother me, you know, it's like, it's done well enough, but you know, it, it was, it's, it's, it shows interesting enough for me to continue watching. It's not something I would, you know, recommend because it's kind of slow at times, but interesting enough for me to keep watching so you're invested at yeah. this point i guess yeah, yeah yeah someone someone asks uh or someone says in a super chat i'm convinced that netflix purposely injects woke themes into its shows to condition viewers to accept it as reality does anyone notice this what do you think chris sorry what's the question you said netflix was injecting woke uh, purposely injects woke themes into its shows to condition viewers to accept it as reality yeah. <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> Correct. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think it's a conspiracy. I don't, I don't, um, I honestly do not believe that it's a top down conspiratorial order. I think that it is just, um, I agree. You know, 
there's there's committees and there's people involved and someone speaks up and says we should make that character trans and no one in the room is willing to say uh no <laughs> so everyone's just right. like okay yeah good idea trans of course yes i love trans yeah. trans is great mm -hmm. trans how well, about a trans child can they be how about a amputee uh person of color trans child from syria like well, plus you know, it, it's also in what they buy, like the kind of pitches that they will hear and what they buy, yes. you know, it goes based on trends. And so right now, wokeism is trending. That's what people are buying. It doesn't matter if the shows are doing well or not. And they're not. I've been following the uh, Friday Night Tights guys. I've been watching how they're, you know, talking about the ratings of Doctor Who and Batwoman and how, how in the toilet they are. But it doesn't matter that no one's watching, though. That's still the trend of what these uh, corporations are buying. They're still buying woke pitches, and that's what they're mm -hmm. here. Because they have to. I, if you're a buyer, you probably feel like you'd be afraid to buy something that's not woke. That's not woke. You probably yeah. get scolded. Yeah, because right? you'll get backlash. I mean, I was wondering how is it that Cobra Kai survived so long without backlash? But, you know, now that it's on Netflix, they're getting the backlash for it. You know, now it's, oh, got, it's on a larger platform now. Yeah. So oh, okay. well, we'll see how that holds up. <laughs> well, I'm really interested in trying to find data that people in Hollywood are using to justify putting in this kind of agenda. And so I found some stuff and hopefully we'll get to talk about it on, on our podcast. But I was reading specifically a report by uh, GLAAD and um their calls for more representation, specifically of LGBT um, uh, characters, but also for, for different races and stuff. And what was interesting in the report, they talking about, they started off talking about primetime television and how, I guess, this year, uh, 2019 to 2020, uh, in terms of all the characters on primetime, you know, scripted shows, uh, the LGBT characters were about 10.2%, which according to the Williams Institute, which is part of the UCLA Law School, which is um, something that the, the report even sources for information, uh, LGBT people are about 4.5% of the population. And so having that 10.2 is more than double that representation because each time they talk about the need for representation, they always use the overall population statistics to call for that amount of representation in shows and movies and all that. Whenever it's over-representation, they never acknowledge that in fact no. to calling for more. Because in this report, even though it's 10.2 for primetime scripted shows, they said by 2025, they want 20% LGBT representation. 20%. <laughs> and, and so they, they also talked about how they had guides. Like they there was a guide that they uh, issued to help people write for trans characters. And I read this guide and it was, it was all over the place because they kept saying that in order to have these trans characters, you needed to hire trans actors to play them because they were saying there are certain kind of nuances that were, uh, wouldn't be able to be picked up on by or, or to conveyed by straight cisgender actors. Mm -hmm. So you need trans actors to do this. But at the same time, they were saying that trans actors should play both cisgender and yeah. trans characters, but the cisgender yeah. can't play trans. And this this it, it is was that, all over. 
Yeah, this is that unequal application of rules that James Lindsay talks about. And and like I was talking about earlier in that social justice group, they'll say one rule for me, another rule for thee. And and they don't hold themselves to their own rules. So it's like mm-hmm. you can only play a trans character if you're trans. You can only play a gay character if you're gay. But anybody, trans people and gay people can play a straight cis character. It doesn't go both ways. <laughs> Well, in fairness, uh, if you are a straight actor and you want to play a trans character, you just have to identify as trans during the time of filming, and then you're fine. Yes, I identify as. Yeah, I don't don't think that's an issue. Uh, Well, look, I mean, I think they they also, we know this, they have um, a lot of their motivation, and I think they've become more open about this in the past year or two, but a lot of the motivation is... uh, there's resentment that actually it becomes revenge at some point. Like they, they don't, they want overrepresentation of people that they feel like have been underrepresented historically, and they'll justify it by saying, "Well, so what? We're going overboard. The white cisgendered male has been in charge for so long that he deserves to take a back seat to the trans, the beautiful trans bodies, right?" Uh, and so they'll, uh, I they want to punish i mean we've again we've talked about this before but their goal is not to elevate any of these communities for whom they claim to speak their goal is to uh denigrate and tear down uh white cis men Mm -hmm. heterosexual white cis men like we are the enemy and i we being just, you know, no one else on the show, but me, right? Carrie, you're less of an enemy because you're female, but also white. So unless if you're not woke, you're, you know, and, and Chris, I've, we've, you know, we've heard this before. Black men are now the white men of the black community, right? So we, we each have our, like, you know, we're evil to some extent, but the, ultimately their goal is just to tear down. They're not about, if you think of their oppression hierarchy, they're not about raising the people on the bottom, up they're about destroying the people on the top and that's a different mentality and you got to understand that it's not Mm -hmm. about helping lbgtq people it's about it's about hurting cisgendered people yes and and i so think uh there is a lot of shakedown stuff going on because i did i was reading about some other things about how certain organizations would say that uh corporations or, or organizations within hollywood need to hire you know, diversity officers and people who are in charge of strategic diversity website, just weird made up titles. But I noticed at times they would say, oh, well, we just happen to have a list of people you can hire. <laughs> I'm like, right. so you're just creating these uh, positions out of nothing for no reason because you know, people just want to get paid some big bucks to do nothing pretty much. It's, it's the biggest grift on society in, yeah. in history. I mean, it is... There are think about how many people are employed in in jobs that not only are destructive, but let's let's put the destruction aside. Just shouldn't exist. Jobs that are absolutely they're just leeching off of the productivity of the rest of society. It's I mean, at the at the best, at best, they're leeching. Uh, at worst, they're like parasitic and destroying the host. But they're at best parasitic. they're just leeching. They're just think of all I mean. I think, Carrie, you said the other day there's like 100 diversity and inclusion officers at the University of Austin. Yeah. Imagine if those were math professors. 
like yeah. doing something actually productive, actually productive. Like, for every diversity and inclusion officer. There's someone who's not being hired who could do actual work. Yeah. They make a lot of money destroying everything in the, while they're in these right. positions too, these useless positions. Um, yeah. Uh, Chris actually went to UT Austin. I don't know if you uh -huh. knew that. But what'd you say? Yeah, I did. It wasn't as bad as it is now. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. And last I looked, it was over a hundred on their, their diversity, inclusion, equity staff. That's a lot That's of people. Ridiculous. That's a lot of salary. <laughs> and now what? currently there's this battle going on at UT Austin. I mean, there's a lot of woke battles happening, but one of them is over the, uh, the song. School what is song. that? The eyes of Texas. So yeah, there was, uh, uh, last year it started that um, some people accused the song of being racist because the rumors were that it was inspired by something that uh, Robert E. Lee said. He said supposedly he said something about the eyes of the South or upon whoever, and uh, the person who created the song supposedly was inspired by that. And plus, there was the issue that it may or may not have been first performed uh, as part of a blackface your minstrel uh show and so uh it was a big hubaloo last year you had a bunch of you know uh athletes who were threatening to to i guess not play if the they wanted the song removed they wanted the confederate statues on campus to remove be removed they wanted uh more statues of people of color a bunch of other things and so uh, the school did an investigation and they just cre came up with a report about um, I don't know, a few weeks ago uh, that found that there was no evidence that the song was inspired by anything Robert E. Lee said. And, you know, it there was no hard evidence that it was performed uh, as part of a minstrel show when it first debuted, it, which it's a possibility that, that that would happen. But even if it was, it doesn't change the meaning of the song because the song had nothing to do with slavery uh, or Jim Crow or anything like that. And so even though the, the, the school finally came out and said they're keeping it and they're not going to require athletes to have to sing it after the games, um, the NAACP and some other groups are still calling for its removal because it, it never ends. It never and so, ends. Yeah, and I, I told Carrie, I was... Go. They're so naive. that, that the, <laughs> the idea that anyone cares about evidence is just... Yeah, we found evidence that that's not true. That no one cares. That's yeah, yeah. They don't want it. So, I, yeah, like I texted Carrie. Like I'm, I'm glad the school came out and supported it. But it's, like I said, it's not. It's, it's going to continue. We're going to find more and more things to be offended by and to to try to tear down. So, yeah, the song. Um, I just saw a press conference last week on KVUE here in Austin where there were uh, student athletes standing up and and adding their voice to say that it's racist. Like you said, it's still continuing that they don't want to play until it's gone. Um, but do you know the history of the song, the, the actual history of the song, Chris? Uh, yeah, it was, I think the guy came up uh, to kind of, uh, the, the whole point of the, sh the song is that, you know, people, students at Texas are expected to excel and do good things. Hence the, you know, eyes of Texas are upon you to, they, you have these high expectations on you. And so uh, when it was performed, it first came out, I think they performed it in a more mocking of the, the president, you know, kind of joking with the president kind of thing. But, you know, like I said, it has nothing. The to president do with, of the yeah. university. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, the, at the time, yeah. So because it came out, it came, first came out in 1903. So this is over 100 years ago, and just now. And the thing is, like, even though I was on campus, I I did I I'd heard the stories about it being, uh, you know, uh, p- possibly sung, you know, in blackface and all that stuff. But I wasn't bothered by it. I was like, because uh, I knew the the intention had nothing to do with you know racism or, or oppression. So I just didn't care. And and even like. The, the Confederate statues on, on campus, you know, even at, at, I have more of a nuanced view towards the Civil War now than I did at the time. But at, at the time, I was like, man, I didn't really care that much. I mean, they're just statues, you know, the works of art, even if you're going to remove them, just move them to one of the, the museums on campus, you know, because my, my big thing was that the, the Confederate statues and the statue of Woodrow Wilson had nothing to do with UT. <laughs> so I was like, you know, if it has something to do with UT, fine. But because I, I know some of the um, buildings on campuses were named after people who were, you know, racist, overtly racist. Or I think one guy may have had some links to the KKK. So there have been moves to rename uh, all these buildings and stuff. And it's like, I don't care. It's just the name. It, it has no power over me. No. What's your nuanced want- view of the Civil War now? I I tend to think it's more eventually motivated by financial reasons because I think most wars in history are over you know financial reasons and I think after the fact they kind of get romanticized. Uh, I do think it during the war it became about you know slavery, but I don't think the main cause of that. I I, I do think that uh, the South felt that they were being unfairly taxed. Um, and so they they kind of similar to the Revolutionary War, uh, had similar um, beginnings to that. And, you know, looking into it, uh, I've noticed uh, how I think it was like five northern states still had had slaves. Uh, of course, there was a lot of racism and lynchings and things going on in the North. So this black and white picture that the North, you know, felt so you know bad about blacks being in, enslaved. I, I just I don't think that's true. I think everybody had <laughs> racism back then. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. No, and uh, I think that makes sense. And I think I don't think you're allowed to say that anymore. No. And you're not ta- you're not supposed to talk about mm-hmm. the the I think relevant question today, which is. Do states have a right to secede? Yeah. Uh, like that I would argue they no one has a right to own slaves. We can agree on that. But do states have a right to secede? Um that's a question that I don't mm-hmm. think they want you asking. Asking, yeah. yeah. And, and I, something I would love to, sorry, uh something I would love to see, which Hollywood would never do, but making story they make a lot of uh, movies about slavery, but it's always like white slave owners owning blacks. And it's like there were a number of black slave owners back then. There were a number of blacks. The first who, slave owner in America was black. Mm, I didn't know that. that. First the very first slave owner, yeah. Yeah, because I, I was actually reading about a number of the stories about you know, blacks owning other blacks and how there are a couple of stories where a female uh, black free woman bought a husband, but, you know, fell in love with a slave and then bought and freed him. Or, or They never technically freed them, but when something happened, like a fight happened, they sold them back into slavery. And like, it'd be what? fascinating. Yeah, you can look up these stories. But these stories aren't being told because things have to be exactly black and white. And so I just think it's fascinating when you realize these things, like reading about some of the free blacks that chose to fight for the Confederates, I think is interesting. 
again, things aren't always black and white. So it's interesting. Yeah. I just pulled up these lyrics for anybody who's curious. These are the lyrics from the eyes of Texas. And <clears throat> this was written, um, actual history on the song as we were talking about it was written because of the president of the university at the time president prather they said it was taken from one of his quotes because he he basically tried to instill in the students that that you know they should live up to his good expectations for them that his eyes would always be upon them as they went out into the world and that they should live up to high expectations and so the lyrics of the song are the eyes of Texas are upon you all the live long days. The eyes of Texas are upon you and you cannot get away. Do not think you can escape them from night till early in the morn. The eyes of Texas are upon you till Gabriel blows his horn. The eyes of Texas are upon you all the live long days. The eyes of Texas are upon you and you cannot get away. So this is the song and the, and this is the song that they're saying is, is racist and has to be done yeah. away with. Well, yeah, like someone in the chat just mentioned, uh, there are people who believe they're, the songs Eyes of Texas were talking about white people looking at slaves or black people saying, <laughs> we're watching you. Well, I, isn't uh, isn't High Expectations now white supremacy anyway? So maybe it's just like that. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I, don't, I don't want to change the subject too much, but there's a couple other things I think we should get to. Um, um, let me just read some of these super chats since we're changing. Let's see. Sure. Steven says, Steven is new. Thank you, Steven. He says, Hi, hello, my name is Steven. I'm a cisgendered white male. I apologize for my existence. Love your show. <laughs> Apology rejected, Steven. <laughs> you have to do the work, wanted, right? Steven. Yeah. You can't just make the apology. Now you do the work. Okay. Uh, G-Man says, Carrie, when you read my super chats, can you please use your manliest man voice from now on? That, that was it. That was my manly was man, voice. man voice. All right, there you go. And then Pirate Tomsky says, I wonder if more method actors will transition to land roles going forward. Elliot Page, anyone? Uh, thank you guys for the super chats. Okay, what do you I'm want? I'm not going to read the last one. I'm going to read the other one. It says, this is from OLATization. Olatization. I don't know what that means. Uh, and I'll read, looking smoking hot, Carrie. Late 30s, <laughs> early 40s. <laughs> Late 30s, early 40s hot. <laughs> I don't know what that, So not like 20s hot, but still pretty good. Uh, <laughs> Are we talking about my age or decades? I don't know. <laughs> oh, Super Iron Bob says, this is my work. I work below minimum wage, to, so this represents a lot of time. Wow, that was 20 bucks from Super Iron Bob. Thank, Thank you, you, Super Iron Bob. Don't send more than you can afford. Yeah, um, don't send more than you can afford. But uh, and we were joking. I appreciate we it. Thank the, you. The, you have to do the work. That's what the social justice thing <laughs> they say. You have to do the work. It's not enough just to convert. First, you have to confess your sins, a.k.a. your privilege. You have to make you know an, an atonement for your white privilege, your male privilege, whatever of the various privileges they say that you have based on your immutable characteristics. You have to make that confession and then you have to do the work which loosely translates to uh speak whatever tenets of the belief system they tell you to speak you know uh super bob's also just super iron bob sorry has also is also reminding me i think it's a good i wouldn't mind uh taking a moment to observe and recognize that uh actually 
money represents everyone's work. Like everyone has worked for them. I mean, some have a lot more than others. And so it represents less amount of labor. But, uh, you know, money is correlated to work. That's how you get money. You you do things. And even if you get money from investments, you first had to work for the money to <laughs> like invest in. Uh, and then someone else worked to return that money back to you. So um, it's a good reminder, Super Iron Bob. What do you want I to feel talk like about? we should at least talk about Lisa a little bit, Carrie. Yeah, let's do it. Um, so for those of you who, uh, sorry, sorry, Chris, if you're not familiar with this, I apologize. I, but jump in if you 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 want to. But w- there's a story we've been kind of following. Um, Lisa Hansen was a we. Ha- I have an interview with her on somewhere on the channel. Uh, Lisa Hansen was a is a the owner of a cafe in Minnesota and she defied the mask laws uh and kept her not the mask laws well the shut the shutdown she kept her cafe open at times not not completely she closed it a few times but she kept it open at some times during which she was not allowed to according to the governor of Minnesota and without getting into details she has been harassed and attacked by the local uh, city attorney, uh, Kelly Martinez, uh, coming after, like there's videos. She had, they they tripped a silent alarm because she tried to hand in paperwork and like ridiculous, ridiculous stuff. It will make your blood boil to see how horrible, uh, horribly she was treated by supposed public servants who uh, it just, you, you know, you can see their demeanor and there's clips of the in the video, uh, my interview with her. You can kind of see the demeanor of the city attorney Kelly Martinez, and and it, it's it's smug and condescending, and this you know we don't work for you, we're in charge. You work for us. We're the we're the little bureaucratic machine. Um, anyway, the sheriff did not. There was a warrant issued for her arrest um, for for Lisa Hansen's arrest, not the. Not Kelly Martinez, not the attorney who's for whom there probably should be a warrant issued, by the way, because she uh, I think tripping the silent alarm and having police come as if there's a hostage situation or something horrible when literally there's a lady trying to hand in paperwork uh, probably represents some crime. But anyway, uh, the sheriff, the sheriff in the county did not um, did not force. Lisa Hansen, he didn't execute the warrant. He didn't go arrest Lisa Hansen. And so the city attorney, Martinez, filed a complaint against the sheriff. The sheriff's name is uh, Kurt uh, Freetag. So the, the attorney, the city attorney filed a complaint against the sheriff. And we got to watch yesterday. It was on, there was, a, we, we had, a lot of us in the community attended the Zoom court hearing for the sheriff. And you know, one thing that really struck me was the you can see how both the city attorney and the judge reacted to the idea that they do not have absolute authority over everyone or at least over the sheriff. It was it was fascinating. Now, I know there are there's going to be people that argue the sheriff is an officer of the court. He has to do blah, 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 blah. I'm not going to have that argument with you. Uh, we can have a constitutional expert uh, come in and talk about that. I've, I've been meaning to have Chris Ann Hall back. There is it's not it's not as clear cut as that. However, 
in this case it is because the judge's boss so the judge is part of the third judicial district the judge's boss is the chief judge of the third judicial district and the judge's boss issued an order on march 19th i think of last year that says i'm quoting sheriffs within the third judicial district or designee shall have the authority to quash misdemeanor warrants issued in their respective counties except for warrants issued for domestic related assaults and violations related to orders for protection domestic abuse no contact orders or harassment restraining orders so the judge has said sheriffs can quash misdemeanor warrants at their discretion except for this category of warrants which can't be quashed so the sheriff has every right to just say yeah i'm not going to arrest her uh now when the attorney for the sheriff made this point like you can see kelly martinez like got visibly upset and interrupt they tried to interrupt him while he was making the point the judge after it is like he starts to talk he's like he says like is there a point and then martinez interrupts him again like tries to interrupt the judge because she's so upset at this concept that the sheriff can have that <laughs> leeway uh and the judge you can see the judge is like but but uh what if people won't submit to the court's jurisdiction he's like outraged he, you can see he's upset at this idea that like his boss gave the sheriff permission to quash misdemeanor warrants and the, the council responds he says look you know uh, he has the authority, like your boss gave him the authority to quash misdemeanor warrants. Like, sorry, that's that's how this works. And you can see the judge, he's like visibly shaken by this. He's like, he's like taking up his posture. He literally like comes, like leans back. He's like, ah, right. Uh, and he starts stuttering <laughs> and he says, well, I understand your argument. And then he, he like, so you're going to let the shit, this is, this is a quote from him. He says, so you're gonna let the sheriff in each and every case uh, determine whether or not a misdemeanor comes in? You're getting to give all that authority to the sheriff or an arresting officer? And the council's like, not super eloquently, but says, well, you know, your boss's orders bind you, dude. Like, like I'm not, I'm not telling you that. Like, your boss is telling you that. And the, you know, the city attorney gets upset. She's like, I would note that I'm also greatly concerned by what Mr. Walker's argument, he's the lawyer, by what Mr. Walker's argument is as to Judge Williamson's ability or authority for the sheriff to make these decisions. So now they start questioning like, the judge can't, your your boss judge can't do that. He can't give the sheriff this authority. It was, um, it was quite a spectacle. I was ultimately uh, disappointed in the result for those of you who are interested in the result. Uh, the sheriff basically, the sheriff's attorney after making this good argument didn't stick with it. He, he basically just stopped making that argument because it wasn't working. The sheriff, the uh, judge didn't like it, of course, because it means someone might question the judge's authority. And, uh, and they kind of, the sheriff was like, well, I'll go, I'll go arrest her. Like, I'll go get her. Um, so they kind of agreed that they'll drop the case against the sheriff sort of if he just goes and arrests Lisa Hansen. So it was not a satisfactory outcome from um, my perspective. But it was satisfactory from if the sheriff is just trying to cover his ass, it was satisfactory for him because he's not going to get in trouble if he just goes and gets Lisa Hansen now. Um, but it certainly it, – it was I, – I, I don't watch court proceedings very much. It was noticeable. Carrie, did you notice? Like it was noticeable how like they were not happy with this idea that the sheriff could quash misdemeanors. No. Yeah, it, it – <laughs> 
I, I, I thought it was just um, futility in action watching it because now what's going to happen? He's going to go arrest her. Okay. Well, I guess it's good that at least she'll get her day in court. Um, but, but there's yeah, they completely discarded the fact that he can choose not to arrest her if he wants. I, I feel like that was the right hill to die on. Be like, like if the sheriff had balls, that would have been like, no, I'm like, I have this right. I'm going to fight for this right. You can throw me in jail if you want, but I have the right. Your boss has ordered that I have the right to do this. I have the right to do this. Stop telling me that I have to issue, like I have to go make an arrest. I have the right to quash misdemeanor warrants. It's like it's been ordered. By the way, thank you to everyone in the community who showed up for that hearing via Zoom yesterday. And if we're allowed to go to future hearings regarding Lisa Hansen, we'll let you guys know. Because I think it's good just to have, uh, let them see that there's a lot of people there watching. You know, that yeah. there's a By lot the way, of people. we were over, mentioned during the there, trial. There were over 100 people there. Who was mentioned? Unsafe Space was mentioned. Kelly Martinez was mad at that. Uh, she she cited something Lisa said on unsafe space. She used she said unsafe spaces, but you know we do have multiple well, channels. So sure. I got there late, uh, and you know what's funny is when I got there, I didn't know that we weren't supposed to have our video on. So I turned on my video, and so I popped on screen with the judge for a second, and then they turned my video off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're not allowed to say anything. You're not allowed. Yeah, uh, yeah. but um, you know, there's another thing that I just want to I want to. I want to, this is going to be a teaching moment and I, uh, I feel the need to do this because I had to explain it to a few people internally at Unsafe Space, uh, although I didn't talk to Carrie about it because uh, she, she didn't need to hear it. But um, look, when you got to be careful with what you write down. When, so, and I'm going to say this because the, there, there was a message. So when you log into the Zoom for the, for the, and I'm going to, by the way, I'm violating my own right rule right now by recording this and saying this publicly, but I'm doing it for your benefit. Okay. Um, when you logged in, there was a note from Minnesota that said, you're not authorized to record this video. Um, you can't, you can't record the zoom. And the judge at the beginning said, just as a reminder, you can't record the zoom call. Now, uh, I'm not telling you to go do anything illegal, but if you are, going to record the Zoom call. You don't post about it. You don't tell people about it, <laughs> obviously, um, because if something goes south someday and you get in trouble, that will be used against you. The other thing you don't do is you don't tell people, hey, everyone, did you see the notification? You don't write that down because once it's written down, now you've been notified. Now your, your defense of like, oh, I didn't see it or whatever, like, now you've been note you're on notice it's like proven that you knew that it was wrong so when the law is involved be very careful what you write down in chat what you tell other people just keep your mouth shut if you have a concern and you want to tell someone hey so and so don't go record the video don't text it call them and say hey did you see this you should be careful blah 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 because if you text them or if you email them, all that stuff's discoverable in a lawsuit. All of it is discoverable in a lawsuit and it will be used against you. So just have a little common sense 
uh, with respect to the law because the, we have a judicial system and a legal system that is working against liberty and they will use everything against you they possibly can in the event that something goes wrong and you end up on the wrong side of Kelly Martinez's hatred, right? When the bureaucrats come after you, they're going to use everything they can. So just be a little bit careful. You don't need to write down everything. You don't need to say everything to you like just if you want to go do something you're not supposed to do, like record a video, just quietly do it. Keep your mouth shut. Just do it. Um, I'm not, again, I am not encouraging you to do anything legal. That's my caveat. But don't incriminate yourself or make it harder for other people to do anything. Carrie, are you, you're muted, I think, unless my mic is gone. Oh, I just said, I said, thanks, oh. Dad. Well, in general, <laughs> you should. I know it's a I know it's a dad thing to do, but I, I realize a lot of people don't understand this. And I've been involved in lawsuits before, and anything that's ever been written down is discoverable. They will find out, and they will use it against you. So, be aware. So, switching gears, <laughs> Mystery Chris. Is there anything else? I have something I wanted to talk about today, but I want to see if there's anything else you want to talk about first. Uh, yours is probably more interesting than what I had to say, so go ahead. Well, this is just something that happened this week. I sent I sent you a link to the, the tweet about it, Carter, and I know you saw this already. But um, If it's the YouTube one, I have the tweet up already. Yeah, let's look at that. So this is something I saw a lot of the Friday Night Tights guys tweeting about and uh, – and Tim Poole was tweeting about it, and, and it's, YouTube has brought out their, can you read that, what their statement says? Yeah. In response to creator feedback, so they have a thumbs up, thumbs down little icon in front of this. In response to creator feedback around well-being and targeted dislike campaigns, we're testing a few new designs that don't show the public dislike count. If you're part of this small experiment, you might spot one of these designs in the coming weeks. Example below. I want to point out, though, Carrie, their original one said they deleted their original tweet. Their original tweet said, "Are you sure? I thought that was something that uh, Christ made to make fun of them. Are you sure that was theirs?" Oh, I think it was. I think it's real. Um, oh. but maybe I'm. Maybe I'm wrong. You know what, Christ? Tell me if I'm. If this is fake news? Yeah, that was, it is. It is fake news. Christ wrote this and said, "Hey, I oh, fixed damn it. it." Yeah, it was a joke. That they, oh, damn it. Yeah. I, I like the idea that they were stupid enough to do that. He basically said, I rewrote it for you. You know, it's, 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 he wrote, what he wrote was uh, in response to hurt feelings. Yeah, he yeah. says it was fake. He, he says it was fake. Yeah, yeah. I'm so, I should delete my, I tweeted it as if it was real because I thought it was real. <laughs> yeah, I trust you. I trust you, Jason. I trust this you. To, is the, I was this not is clear. The problem. Yeah. This is the problem I come back to quite a bit about the problem with sarcasm these days. I see this all the time. This is why I go hard on sar on sarcasm because we are living in a, a time period where um, what is real <laughs> has become so insane. Like the the positions that people hold and what's unfolding around us in culture is so insane that you almost have to, it's, satire becomes harder and harder to do. You have to be really skilled at it because it just sounds like what someone would say today. You know, even my post about yeah. I renounce I renounce white supremacy, I, ren I confess my white privilege and stuff. That's what they say. That's what they say. So 
I'm not surprised that somebody fell for it and thought it was real because you see these things all the time. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I'm the one who fell for it and thought it was real. I'm the naive <laughs> I'm the naive jerk who was like, that seems like something that they would say. I just deleted let's talk my, about my this retweet policy, of it. Though. Because, let's talk about this no. policy. They're saying because of creator I mean, feedback, which is not true. That they, it's they obvious to, what the policy is for. Yeah, right? but I want to talk about it. They're saying that because of creator feedback, that they're now not going to show the dislike count. Except, here's what's funny. Here's what calls them out in their lie. Except as a creator, you can still privately, behind the scenes, see all of the dislikes privately. You can say, oh, uh, 10 people dislike this video. I can see that. But the public can't see it. That's why it's a lie. It's not about protecting the creators from hurt feelings. It's not about protecting the creators from seeing the downvotes. It's about manipulating public perception so that so that the public thinks that nobody dislikes this video. And and look at the stuff that gets all the massive downlikes. The White House feed, Joe Biden's feed, you know. Um, well, they're saying it's to protect them around targeted dislike campaigns, and it does to some extent because you can't go look at a video and see see everyone hates this video because you're yeah. not allowed. You won't you won't know that everyone hates the video. Yeah. They don't want you to know that this thing actually is viewed as sucky by everyone. They don't. Yeah. You know. And and because what things are being viewed as sucky on their platform, all the quote unquote authoritative sources that they keep pushing out. All the legacy media links that they keep pushing out, the CNN stuff, the Joe Biden stuff, and then I, you know yeah. the Star Wars, yeah. the 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 woke stuff in entertainment. They don't want people to see that that all the negative feedback from the people. I like what Py Pirate Tomsky just said. Simple solution type dislike in the comments instead. You know, Pirate Tomsky, I was just thinking something similar, which was I think. We should do this because we're not going to if they I mean, assuming that it's a optional thing, I assume you can enable it or not enable it. I want our dislikes to be seen. Um, it's fine. It shows everyone how well we're doing. Sometimes we might have a lot of dislikes. Uh, I think we should just start mocking every channel with comments. Any channel who turns this on should just be mocked and ignored. Just like if you can't have your dislikes public, you no one should watch you. Just unsubscribe. Yeah. They turn mock. their comments off all the time for that reason. Yeah. 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 I mean, although, yeah, I guess if they turn their comments off, you can't even mock them. You can't even, you can't even do what Pyrotomsky said. You can't even say just like, I don't know. Did, did I tell you that I, uh, once I was, I was watching, I, I clicked on a uh, Heather McDonald video. So she's a, conservative white woman and she was she wrote, going wrote over a book about guns right uh was it guns it was the with diversity oh, no. illusion or what was it called i forget i thought she um, wrote about her cop violence against the cops war on cops anyway. she she wrote, the okay. so she it was a presentation where she's talking about crime statistics and youtube had put this behind two restrictions it was the age restriction and it was the some people find this you know content to be i don't know whatever and i True. had never seen any video yes <laughs> i never seen any video behind two restrictions and so after watching that video which there was nothing racist or no bad words or anything in it i went over and watched cardi b's wop video no restrictions none at all Right. It was horrible. Because that's fine. Mm -hmm. That's the world they want. And, yeah. and by the way, did you see the uh, – before the election, Biden had did an interview with Cardi B. 
It was one of the most no. awkward things. <laughs> it was so well, she bad, embarrassing. Uh, she was like, well, you know, we need like health care and stuff. And so, yeah, you, you can give us some health care. That's what we need. He's like, yeah, man. Uh, okay, yeah. All right. You, you, you knew he had no idea who she was. And the thing is, so, uh, and Maxine Waters also did an interview with Meg Thee Stallion, who is the other woman on WAP. Oh. And she was praising Megastai and saying this is like an empowering thing for women. Like these people do not care at all. They're putting up this degenerate garbage and trying to classify it as something that's empowering for for women and for blacks. And it's so I don't get it. I'm still waiting for Biden in an interview to some to just go line. <laughs> 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 we uh speaking of which we don't have to get deep into it because carter and i already talked about talked ourselves to death about it but um have you heard the new montero song by lil nas x i didn't listen to it i did i did see some people complaining about it. i did watch you guys talk about it yeah it's the same degenerate hedonism nihilism and being mm-hmm. dressed up as as empowerment that's that's a part of this uh the woke cult that some people still can't wrap their heads around this idea of, you know, how does this relate? How does pushing hedonism and stuff relate? Mm-hmm. And, and I think it, I think it relates because it, it tears down again, this is an ideology that's, that's about destruction and it tears down boundaries. It tears down, uh, you know, ideas of, of, of what is, What's first of all, what is entertainment, but also ideas of morality and and meaning, and it tries to sell you something empty. They're trying to sell us emptiness and tell us that it's meaningful, that it's empowering. It's like mm-hmm. here, you know, shoot this emptiness into your veins. Mm-hmm. We did have a listener say that that we were wrong. I haven't I haven't listened to the song, the the little Nas X song, but we did have a listener say you guys are wrong. It's a great song. I didn't. I didn't even listen to this. Have you? Did you actually listen to the song? I didn't. Oh yes, and I watched the video. Oh. It's absolute okay. crap. He's singing about nothing. Like, like, let me read you some of these lyrics. You don't have to play the song and get us um, demonetized, but uh, demonetized. <clears throat> demonized. <laughs> yeah. Have you? Have you haven't seen the video then, Chris? I haven't watched it. Okay, here we go. Uh, These are the lyrics. I caught it bad yesterday. You hit me with a call to your place. Ain't been out in a while anyway. Was hoping I could catch you throwing smiles in my face. Romantic talking? You don't even have to try. You're cute enough to F-U-C-K with me tonight. Looking at the table, all I see is weed and white. So weed and cocaine. Baby, you live in the life, but inward, you ain't living right. Cocaine and drinking with your friends, you live in the dark, boy. I cannot pretend. I'm not phased, only here to sin. If Eve ain't in your garden, you know that you can. Call me when you want. Call me when you need. Call me in the morning. I'll be on the way. Call me when you want. Call me when you need. Call me out by your name. I'll be on the way. Like, mm-hmm-hmm. I want to sell what you're buying. I want to feel your ASS in Hawaii. I want that jet jet lag from F-U-C-K-N and flying. 
shoot a child in your mouth while I'm writing. That means, I mean, that's oral sex. We, we know what that means. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Can you draw a picture, please? <laughs> Actually, oh. I, let me explain that to everyone with my SJW glasses. <laughs> guys, guys, that means oral sex. Oh, 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 why me? A sign of the times every time that I speak. A dime and a nine. It was mine every week. What a time and incline God was shining on me. Now I can't leave. Now I'm acting hella elite. Never want the N-words that's in my league. I want to F-U-C-K the ones that I envy, that I envy. Cocaine and drinking with your friends. You live in the dark, boy. I cannot pretend. I'm not phased. Only here to sin. If Eve ain't in your garden, you know that you can call me when you want. Okay, that's it. And that's So it's literature. So it's (laughs) very meaningful. It's poetry, Gary. Empowering lyrics there, right? I know that you're evil, but I don't care. And I want to do cocaine and weed with you and shoot, quote, unquote, shoot a child into your mouth. Well, I will be honest. Uh, they were uh, they were at a reading level higher than I anticipated, uh, knowing what I know about <laughs> modern hip hop culture. I that's a, that's probably what a sixth grade reading level, maybe. I don't know. There, were, there's fifth grade. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Yeah, it's just emptiness. <sighs> yeah, I don't have much more to add to that. I know somebody I, that that episode. I'm glad we did it because I, I talked about it with a few people afterwards. Where, you know, uh, we have this inclination of thinking, and I, and I'm doing this. I did the same during the video. It's like, wait a minute, am I just being reactionary? Am I just an old person now? Because like we said, every generation has looked at the music that came before. Or the music, the music that's coming out now at the, from the younger generation, and they've said, you know, this is beyond the pale, and and there's there's problems with it, and they're pushing immorality, and and they've all said that, and, and so we have this tendency to say, is that am I just doing that same thing? Well, I am doing that same thing, but I think that I think that my argument about why it's objectively bad music holds water. I think it is objectively bad. What if what if the argument that this new generation is degenerate? has always been true. (laughs) 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 Just throwing it out there. (laughs) Well, there's, there's a couple more super chats we should read because, um, one of them's annoying. One of them, not annoying, uh, uh, startling. Uh, Lil Nas X has also done a children's book. This is from Aaron Goodman, uh, and Sesame street. And the video is not age-restricted on YouTube. So when kids search on YouTube, boom, they land where you just uh, you just it. read. So uh, second A, uh, 2A self-defense law says, it's a love story from a different point of view. <laughs> <laughs> a love story. What was that? Where's the – oh, that's an Obi-Wan quote, right? A lot – something about a lot of something is – Depends on your point of view, right? From a different point of view, uh, when he when he got caught lying about Luke's dad's death, Luke was very upset. And Obi Wan's defense, which was kind of lame, was, "Well, f- what I said was true from a certain point of view." Uh, let's see. Richard Pett says a great song by R.H. Best line in that song: "Head of Sate has called for me by name, but I don't have time for him. It's going to be a glorious day." Who's R.H.? Radiohead. 
Oh. Could be Radiohead. Okay. Head of State. Canceled Peanut. Oh, man. I hate when they cancel Peanuts. I'm sorry about that. Uh, Ellie Wiesel described that socialist where the first one Nazi went after before anyone else. Is this why SGW called their oppositions Nazis? Uh, I'm not sure I parsed that first sentence. But the second sentence, uh, yeah, they project. James Lindsay calls it the the woke law. I mean, the iron law of woke projection. And, and you know, projection is not limited just to social justice ideologues and any human. It's a human thing, but they are masters at it. I see them project all the time. It's. I it's, think I understand the first part yeah. now as I look at it. Um, so, yeah, this is dates back to the history of Antifa in Germany. Pre-war Germany, there was a uh, it was a. Uh, culture was basically divided into fascist and non-fascist, but non-fascist was communist. Um, there wasn't really any alternate between those two things, like, uh, practically. I mean, obviously, I'm sure there was a couple people who were like, liberty, uh, I'm sure they died as well. But uh, it was it was basically a, the, the, communists versus the fascists and yeah so which is why antifa views which is why antifa says well we're just anti-fascist um but by default that means because they're marxists they're all they're all marxists and but to them their worldview is such that there are only two choices fascism and marxism right so uh that was true to a large extent in pre-war germany and so um yes when the fascists came to power their target was immediately the socialists and or the, we'll say the communists the marxists because um fascism is was also socialism right i mean uh so socialism is kind of a term that applied to both fascism and marxism um because obviously the nazi party is national socialist party uh which the left doesn't like us to to talk about so i th think maybe that is what you're getting at in your first sentence not totally sure Carrie, you got to come back. Hey, um, Chris. Yes. Are there any final things? And we've been going for two hours. I want you to tell me what should we watch right now in pop? What's good about pop culture? Because Carrie likes to end on a positive note, even though it's SJW Karen today. She probably <laughs> still wants to end on a positive note. What are the what are the things that we should be watching that aren't that don't suck? in pop culture today that don't suck well it yeah. depends how you define sucking because i i'm at the point where i will give points to anything that's just not woke anymore <laughs> even though it might not be great just as long as it's not woke i get some points uh i i just watched uh godzilla versus kong which is really ridiculous uh it's just a it's a dumb monster movie but it's not woke so I mean, you could turn your brain off you might enjoy it it's it's, it's pretty ridiculous but yeah out, outside of that i haven't really watched too many shows and uh, uh movies lately there's hasn't been all great stuff but i'm actually trying to go back and watch a bunch of old stuff and maybe we'll get to talk about a podcast because uh, i'm i'm want to go back and start watching the original uh twilight zone which i i saw a little bit when i was a kid but i want to see uh some more now that, those are good so were yeah. the original alfred hitchcock presents i used to love those. oh yeah yeah uh, yeah it'd be great to watch I'd that put them in the same category but yeah <laughs> all right but i i did have a, a uh a quick uh uh story little thing um 
I think it was last, your last show or the show before you guys started off when you were joking about mullets. And I just read a story about a private college in Australia that has banned mullets. And so I think this is the real censorship we need to be fighting. <laughs> I'm fighting what? for freedom of hair expression. Yeah, I thought the social justice wars were fighting for freedom of hair expression. But like everything, <laughs> the one-way street, only the hair expression they want. Well, maybe you can have a mullet if you're female or if transgender and the mullet is a non-natural color. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I know Maybe there's an exception. In addition to mullets, here's some what what's other hairstyles that social justice warriors would probably want to ban? Well, Carter's haircut, they call fashy. Fashy. Um, this is a fashy haircut. <laughs> I yeah, just go to the I'll, barber and say, "Make me fashy." Also, they uh they don't appreciate when white people wear dreads. And mm. if I guess if you're biracial but you look white, uh you have to carry a card with you to explain, <laughs> but uh, they definitely have a problem with that. Uh, so, so there's basically no hairstyle that you're going to be able to, to wear. Even if you choose to shave off all your hair, then you become a skinhead. So mm -hmm. you're damned oh, yeah. you do, damned you don't. There's nothing yeah. you can do. Well, I think that's the goal. There should be no acceptable white person hair because there's this, no acceptable this, white person. This is what's acceptable, the blue hair. <laughs> oh, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> blue and, yeah. Does that that's doesn't good. work for guys, though, does it? It will. Uh, I've seen some man guys. buns. Man yeah. buns are man acceptable buns. for white men. There you go. Yeah. Can you bring I back the realized. rat tail? Yeah. <laughs> Not a rat tail. <laughs> so. All right. We're gonna wrap up. You I know think, what I want to mean? I think so, Carrie. You you have something else though, huh? No, I think we should wrap up. But afterwards, I was thinking, while I have this wig on, so I don't have to put it on another day, maybe we could just tape some standalone humorous stuff where we go through the SJW lexicon. So it's like white privilege. <laughs> and, then, and then we just do, you know, or it's like, uh, it's like, it's not my job to educate you. <laughs> and then we define, we break down what those things are. <laughs> I'm impressed with your ability to hate the camera. It's pretty good. <laughs> Anyone could put on a blue wig and some glasses. But you can hate the camera appropriately. <laughs> You're, you can channel that longtime SJW inside of you and just really let it out. We just end every video with smoke because it's when they say those things, it's like they dropped a smoke bomb, you know, like toxic masculinity. <laughs> okay, out. I'm sorry. I'm just playing. Wrap it up. All right. Well, Mystery Chris, thank you for um, thank you for joining. Uh, it was good to chat with you and. Hey everyone and everyone um bug mystery Chris in the comments about um taking off his mask and <laughs> and uh and showing us his face in future episodes. So pressure's on. Pressure's on the pressure. <laughs> thank you, Mystery All Chris. Right. Bye, thank you guys. Thanks thank you everybody. Right. <laughs> Bye everyone. Thanks for watching. If you're new to the channel, we have a deep content library that includes interviews with everyone from Mike Cernovich to Megan Murphy, so go check it out. If you'd like to see more, please consider supporting the show by visiting unsafespace.com donate. You can find us on all the major social media platforms, at least for now, 
and you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space chat on Telegram. See you there. Warning. This is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by the Cathedral. Pay no attention to it. The following co-conspirators have been unpersoned and marked for cancellation. For your own safety, and to avoid further spread of contagion, if you have been in recent contact with any of these individuals, please report to your nearest Good Citizen Treatment Center immediately. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Remember, your uninformed opinion matters. We couldn't destroy everything and rebuild Utopia without it. Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.